Welcome to the LSL podcast. I'm Derek McKenna and I'm joined as always by Andy McNulty. Um, Andy, how are you? Good, Derek. Good. Good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we, since we last spoke. Um, before we, we begin the podcast today, we want to um, start with a disclaimer. Um, the views of myself and Andy are not those of the Leinster Senior League or our respective clubs uh, and should not be taken as such. We'll be talking about some of the kind of COVID-19 restrictions of football and some of the options the league has to finish out the 2019-2020 uh, season. Um, I also want to begin by acknowledging that I have a biased view and um, my club will be severely affected whichever way the league decides to finish out the season, potentially Andy as well. And I also want to make it clear that neither myself or Andy are public health experts and uh, we'll be talking about a lot of what-ifs uh, without being experts on the subject. So go easy on us somewhat. Um, so yeah, Andy, look, we're, we're living in strange times. Uh, what has stood out for you most since the start of the lockdown? Yeah, well, look, obviously, it's it's a massive knock-on effect to every team across the country. Um, I don't think, you know, anyone could have really put a plan in place, and we, we can see by that now, by, by um, obviously, the ongoing conversations with the leagues and the FEI and stuff like that. There was no way that we could court, sort of envisage this in, in any way. Um, so teams have had to adapt, and it's it's been really great to see teams coming together and players coming together. You know, obviously... Um, a major topic that was was high on our agenda on the the podcast and and other conversations across social media was mental health and mm-hmm. that has really come to the fore um during these times and you know um mental health awareness week and 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 um some of the tasks and some of the 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 walks and the runs and and stuff like that the challenges that have come up have really brought the the, the game together uh, and, and football in a, in a whole has, has obviously been massively missed across the country um, both professionally and in, in the amateur ranks so it's it's been really good to see um, players um, coaches management and, and clubs from across the country really coming together in, to help each other out um, with these challenges and you know it's just a small thing but it, it, it keeps everyone active obviously everyone's missing playing football but while we can't play football we can we can still keep everyone active everyone's yeah. mind active and and body as well like all of these challenges they've been absolutely fantastic um over over the last three months or, or however long it's been and it's it's been really a breath of fresh air yeah, I, I think uh, definitely at the start of the lockdown, as people adjusted to being stuck at home, um, there's some brilliant, brilliant videos that emerged on social media. Um, young kids doing different challenges with footballs. And, um, you know, you, you could see that kind of sense of everybody adjusting to what was going on. Um, and then I think as the time has progressed, you've seen, especially as people were allowed kind of outdoors a little bit more, um, kind of challenges where people were raising money for charity, which has been excellent to see. Um, I, I've also kind of loved to see the way teams have adapted to try continue training, but not together. Um, so I know a lot of clubs are um, organizing, kind of downloading apps like uh, the Nike Run app and stuff like that. So everybody can track each other's progress and make sure the team are contributing to um the overall training, everybody's getting their bit done. And then obviously over, um, it feels like over the last couple of months that everybody's using Zoom. Um, of course, myself and yourself, I are well used to using Zoom, but it feels like uh, everybody's using Zoom nowadays. And we've seen a lot of uh, Zoom workouts happening um, where clubs are hiring 
perhaps a personal trainer to provide um, a Zoom workout online. So that's been uh, brilliant to see. So it's great to see the way people have adapted um, to the lockdown. But also, um, I, th I think it's going to, you know, it's definitely evident that everybody is really, really missing football. Um, I think what kind of symbolised that for me was everybody watching the Bundesliga a few a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was mental. Uh, they reckoned like there was probably a billion around the world watching one of the one of the first Bundesliga matches get uh, back. So it kind of go, it shows you that everybody's missing football and everybody's um, looking forward to get back to it, getting back to it, but. I think um, what we will discuss a little bit later on is um, the pathway for getting back there. And obviously, uh, in the current situation, there are some people who uh, won't feel safe, and rightly so, won't feel safe about going back playing football at the moment. But um, potentially in the future, that's something that we can uh, look towards doing. But yeah, I think that's been been really interesting, uh, the way everybody's going to come together at a distance over the last couple of months um, to stay somewhat involved in football but also um, kind of doing that at a distance. Um, well, any other yeah. things that have uh, kind of stood out for you over the last kind of couple of months, Andy? Um, yeah, well, look, obviously um, everyone's missing the football on the field, but I, I think as well that that sort of um, goes a little bit overlooked and you, t you you possibly take it for granted a small bit is is the, the, the dressing room um, and the community that the volunteers, the people around on the match day, I've really missed that now. I have to I have to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's it's just you, you can't replicate it. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a situation where you look forward to. I certainly look forward to arriving up to the Red Cow on a on a Sunday morning, shaking hands with all the volunteers, um, asking them how they get on over the weekend, and and then when you go in, you've the half an hour before the managers name the teams and and go into the tactics and whatnot, and you kind of you know that 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 sort of the cliche the football dressing room banter, um, you you really can't replicate that on on Zoom or on the WhatsApp. So they're the sort of things that I think a lot of people are missing. I I know I am for certain, um, but but they are another. WhatsApp and and uh, Zoom are another channel of sort of keeping in touch, keeping make sure that everyone is okay and and you know that they're they're still they're still taking along at home. Obviously, they've the family responsibilities and and stuff like that, and and some are still out working on the front line, which is which is fantastic to see. But you know, it's it's one thing that I just found that I missed absolutely drastically. It was that that Sunday morning feeling down at the Red Cow and just getting everybody around and you know having a cup of tea before kickoff and and I just I, I that's a that's a big thing for me. I have to admit. Definitely, I I think anybody who who kind of says that their their mental health hasn't been impacted by the whole lockdown is you know is perhaps lying a bit because um, I think the whole having the whole social aspect of not just football but life taken away from you like that um, obviously has a, a huge impact and then obviously the levels of anxiety for a lot of people um, kind of coming to terms with a, a kind of a deadly virus out there and stuff like that so uh, obviously mental health is a really important thing hopefully um, the kind of being able to connect with people on WhatsApp and Zoom and other things has helped, but I don't think it has the same impact of being able to, like you say, go out and meet people on a Sunday afternoon yeah. or, or a Friday and really connect with people. So the sooner the better we can get back to that, obviously um, it's going to have a, a hugely uh, beneficial effect on people's mental health as well. Um, another thing that kind of struck me, Andy, over the last couple of months 
probably has been less talked about than, than other issues. Um, but I know from talking to yourself, it, it's definitely an issue. And I know from my own club and, and others as well, is the financial impact um, that the lockdown is having on clubs. We all yeah. obviously know that League of Ireland clubs or professional clubs even are going to see a significant drop in revenue because they can't have people uh, come into their games. But I think from, from an amateur perspective, a club's ability to finance itself through whether it's um, club lotto or um, even taking for, for the higher level clubs, taking a gate receipt uh, where you might get a few yeah. people through the door or, or even um, selling co- cups of coffee at a match or whatever the case may be. That's definitely having an impact on a lot of teams as well. And it hasn't really been spoken about too much, I, I feel. Yeah, 100%, Eric. I know I can only speak for ourselves and we, we've had a challenge. Obviously, we've had to contact a list of our creditors, you know, our utilities, um, and, and a number of different other overheads that we have, um, you know, we, we had to do that um, because there's just simply no revenue. Our revenue is football gates and our function room mm. through the bar. We, we don't have that now. Um, now, you know, we still have rent for those of that, that aren't aware. We, we actually still rent from landlords. We have a, um, a 30, 40 year lease on that property. Um, so we still have to pay rent. Um, you know, and unfortunately, landlords as they are, um, you know, they're not too forgiven. Uh, they still want their money in the bank. So, you know, that's still an, a large amount of money that needs to be paid on a monthly basis, um, on a on a quarterly basis for ourselves. But we still have to make sure that we're we're um, we're providing that as well, because you don't want to get into a sticky situation where all of a sudden you're in a, a dispute with your landlord. So, I'm sure we're not the only club in in, in that in that stance. Um, but as you say, the the club lotos have taken a mass, massive hint. Now, I know the likes of um. Club Force and stuff like that have have the facilities online to do it now, and I know a lot of clubs are pushing that. But a lot of clubs rely on their um, paper ticket sales in the local um, pubs and clubs, and and on a Sunday morning when when there's a crowd there, um, from their members. So you're going to miss out on massive revenue over the next three to four to five months, and probably future. Because like I'm even looking at even if if even if we can start kicking a ball again, it doesn't necessarily mean we can open the bar. So all of a sudden, um, our gate receipts then have to be very, very stringent. We need to be collecting on the gate for everyone that's coming in, um, and we can't be relying on the bar. Yeah. Um, you know, so for for in a intermediate game, you're probably looking at anywhere between three and four hundred quid for a home game on a normal day. Um, a lot of people don't understand that, and you know yourself the challenges that you have collecting money on on a match day from subs and stuff like that <laughs> it's it's you know it, it just doesn't happen so um that's just a little bit of a financial background and in, in some in some challenges that clubs will have and i know for a fact because i've spoken to a number of people involved in clubs around the, the league they are struggling they are struggling and i would be very very surprised if you'd you you wouldn't if you're if you're not going to see at least one team go under as a result of this um this period um you know which is it's terrible to see because we've seen an big huge clubs um wasting away over the last last few years and and they're gone now they they don't even exist anymore so to lose a team it's actually heartbreaking because of this um, and and we hope it doesn't come to that but they're going to be scrambling with ideas, trying to, to do what they can fundraise. But 
there's only going to be such a such a pot to, to 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 pull from. Like you think of your local your local sponsors now, Derek. They mightn't have the, the few quid anymore to to give you that one or two grand that they would have given you religiously every year, um, to pay for for jerseys or to pay for insurance or whatever it may have been. Um, they mightn't be making that money anymore. So especially with the, the likes of the pubs. Like I know a lot of football historically, football teams historically have relied on the boozer. When you go back, you have a few points and you build that relationship with that pub and, you know, they'll throw you a few quid every year. Are we going to be able to do that in the future? I don't think so. Um, now I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm wrong and I'm hoping we're back to normal pretty, pretty soon. Um, yeah. But again, this is what you said at the start. There's a lot of what ifs, you know, um, that, that need, Clubs need to adapt, basically, is what I'm trying to say, and they need to they need to come up with initiatives and different ways of of financing the clubs going forward. Do you think, Andy, that they're um, and this look? I, I don't know what the the current state of the Leinster Senior League's finances are, but there should be should there be some level of support for clubs who are financially struggling from the league. Um, look, in an ideal world, I'm going to say yeah, Derek. It's it's. Um, I I don't know what their bank balance is like. It could be empty. It could be. It could be flush. I don't know, but it leaves the door open for everyone putting their hand out, and then it becomes a difficult situation where you know why did you give it to X and not give it to Y? It's a very very difficult situation. Um, I would like to think that if it came down to sort of league fees or registration fees, fines, all that sort of stuff, they can all be negotiable over the next few years uh, with the league. I'd like to think that they'll be they'll be open-minded to, to stuff like that. But when it comes to actually day-to-day running of the club, I just don't see how the league would be able to step in and, and sort of support in that regard because it would be, I don't know how many clubs off the top of my head there are in the Leinster Senior League, but there's there's hundreds, I would imagine, that would most likely be looking to put their hand out because I, I think if there's a... If, a community fund there, I think everyone's going to look to, to dip into it, you know, so it's a, it's a very difficult yeah, scenario yeah. for the league. I think that's true as well, and I think um, you, you're probably right there, like, I, I can't imagine the, the league's coffers being too deep, um, and then the kind of next level up would be, hopefully, that the FAI would, would rescue uh, certain clubs, you know, with some sort of a community fund, but then again, the, the FAI uh, haven't got a uh, pot to piss in at the moment either, so... Um, yeah. And I would imagine that we would be bottom of the barrel as well, Derek, <laughs> I would say the, the senior team would come first, then the, the professional game... Um, probably the kids then after that and somewhere down the very bottom of the barrel I'd say men's senior football would come you know I think you're probably right uh, I think you're probably right um, let's move on Andy on to the, the kind of the burning issue at the moment I'll say because um, I think we were quite content to a certain degree of not doing any podcast letting things plod along and kind of waiting the football comes back because we didn't feel like we had a huge amount to talk about Um until people started contacting us, asking us, uh, you know, about what the league is doing and if the league is is, is going back. And if they do uh, try to complete this season, how will they try to compete? There's so many questions up in the air. Um, and I think to give context, obviously, um, the league came out, um, I don't know how long ago that was now, it feels like a long time ago, and said... Um, the intention was to complete the league, and that was after um, the FAI had uh, released its guidelines. What I'm going to try to do is, and hopefully this is not too boring, I'm going to go through what the guidelines that the FAI issued was. Um, I can't remember the exact date. It was probably about a month ago or so. It feels uh, time is kind of standing still at the moment. But I'll go through those guidelines, and then I think from there we can discuss 
what the league said and then um, hopefully kind of uh, talk about what the options are uh, based on that. So, yep. so based on what the, the FAI said, it was under phase four of the government's road ra- roadmap for reopening society and businesses, all adult, amateur and underage clubs can begin the return to training programmes from July 20th, subject to FAI protocols to be agreed with government agencies. So the earliest that any type of... Um, uh, training will happen is July 20th under these proposals. Then under phase five of the government uh, roadmap um, for the reopening society and business, all ad- adult amateur and underage clubs can return to full collective training on August 10th. So going back to the July 20th timeframe, the way I understand that is in small groups of people, uh, teams would be allowed to train, I think in groups of four or, or six as that may be. Yeah. And then full training would be allowed from August 10th. Uh, following up on that, all adult amateur and underage clubs can return to playing from the end of August, August 28th. And then, um, I haven't heard much mentioned about this, but it does also say a pilot program for adult amateur and underage football will be launched between the 14th and the 28th. Um, I'm not really sure what that means, a, a series of friendlies that they're talking about or, or whatever in terms of that pilot program, but I think that there's kind of more detail needs to be added to that from the FEI. Um, then kind of going through the other kind of stipulations and what they released, regional, provincial, and national competitions from the 2019 and 2020 can return from August 28th. So I presume that would be around the FEI Junior Cup, the FEI um, Intermediate Cup, etc. Um, perhaps Oscar Trainer Cup, whatever that may be. Um, winter leagues wishing to complete their 2019 and 2020 shall be given the option of applying to the FEI via their affiliates for an extension to their season until October 11th. And this is something that obviously is going to, um, we'll touch on in a moment, but it's probably going to create a lot of difficulties, Andy, because the time frame for completing that season between August the 28th until October the 11th, I think is only, was it, six weeks or so, so it's not a huge yeah, time frame. Yeah. Um, the, the, the proposal goes on around, uh, you know, leagues need to apply that they wish to complete the season. Um uh, I'm trying to see is there anything else kind of pertinent in there all decisions around oh this is I think this is kind of this phrases it all and this qualifies everything else that was said um, all decisions around returning to collective training and playing for all adult and amateur and underage football will be based on the health and safety of players, coaches, match officials, administrators and club volunteers. I take that to mean, look, we'll, we won't be going back playing unless it's safe to do so and unless everybody feels it's safe to do so and then the final qualification to all of that is all decisions will be subject to change on the advice of the government agencies, UEFA, the FEI medical team, um, led by medical doctor Alan Bourne. And I think that's something that's key in terms of all decisions are subject to change because this framework of phases has been set out. Um, but obviously there seems to be a big clamour at the moment and the to kind of move those phases forward because of uh, the progress that has been made and the reduction of cases, et cetera. Um, that all kind of assumes that there won't be a second wave of, of the virus. Uh, and as I said at the start of this um, podcast, myself and yourself are not uh, experts on uh, virology and we're not um, experts on, on COVID-19. But based on what the FEI have said, um, the earliest in this in what in the stipulation they've said the earliest we'll get back playing is the 28th of august um so kind of let's click kick that off with the debate andy between the 28th and august and october the 11th i think it was is it feasible uh to complete a season um between those dates do you feel i think strictly speaking derek um it probably is as in 
like you know, if you were to strictly say play a game Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday throughout those that period of time. I got started first and yes, not during the week. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's me just like putting a very, very broad sort of statement on that from a playing point of view and from um, historical sort of experience in in the league. I would see that to be very, very difficult given, um, you know, the weather in Ireland, um, the, the the quality of the games that may or may not take place in the, in those in in those six weeks. Um, there is a multitude of different reasons why you know the fixture secretaries on a, on any given week will have difficulties of rearranging, arranging, and um, moving games, organised referees. There's a number of different things that have to kind of fall into place in order for these fixtures to happen. And I just don't think there's enough information about that at the moment to be able to say whether it is possible or not. I'm just giving my opinion. I would see it as a player, strictly with my player's hat on. It would be very difficult um, to maintain the level that you would expect to play with your club for that such a short period. Um, and the reason I, I say that is is historically, if you look at the the midweek madness that comes up between April, May, and June when the mid-season games come up, it's it's sort of spanned over. You might have a midweek game every second week. It's not yeah. every week, um, unless you're really really backlogged, um, and it 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 does have a detrimental impact on the results in my opinion because like again just speaking strictly on my own experience I've lost leagues and I've won leagues based on those time frames um, across April, May and June. We've we've lost a 15 point lead, lead in I think 2011 and um, Wayside caught us up they, and, and equally you could look at their run they went on a, a run of I think 10 or 11 wins in a row so it has pros and cons to it. It it really depends on what side of the fence you fall. Um, I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can about it, but just based on my own experience, I just feel the quality of the games um, lessens when they're in quick succession. And what happens is you you get these freak results where you know bottom of the table will be top of the table five nil, and you're going where did that come from? But it's just because the top of the table team are just you just can't catch them napping or whatever it may happen does that not um, create excitement though Andy? and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here does that not create it, a, it an exciting last few uh last like if you're if you're cramming all of this into six weeks does it create a lot of excitement around what's going on and kind of create a buzz around football again it it, it does in a sense that like when, when i put on now sort of my club hat i'm saying that like if you if you look at the likes of the the senior Sunday now, obviously I'm involved in in the senior Sunday division at the moment. People, like rightly or wrongly, have written Crumlin, Bluebell, Colester all off. Mm-hmm. But anyone that knows the league will will know that those teams aren't over if these games need to be played. Like there's a swing of if we win our games, we're only five points behind the league leaders. So. Like to write someone off that's technically or or may or may not be five points off, it's it's I just think it's very silly to do so. And if you're the likes of um John Scott at Bangor, Martin Lochran at Crumlin, um Gary Howlett at Clester Donny Kearney, 
like they'd be licking their lips at the opportunity of playing these games in quick succession because they're hoping for an upset. They're hoping for Malahoy to run out of steam, Moctis to maybe lose a drop a few points, um, whoever else is up there, Banger to drop a few points. It, it it's it's carnage at the, at that time of the year, um, historically, and it happens. It, it does happen. People have lost leagues. People have won leagues. People have on the other side of the table. People have got relegated because of a bad run of form. Yeah. Because you know yourself, form is very hard to turn. So if you're losing games in quick succession, you can very very easily lose three, four, five on the trot, and all of a sudden you're getting relegated. But then on the flip side of it, you can get you overrun. I think. Um, I can't recall who it is now, but I think actually it was Grey Stones. I think two or three seasons they were dead and buried, like they were they were relegated. But they put a run of games together near the end of the season where I think they picked up a few wins and they they got out of it. So there's so many different there's so many different sort of pieces to the jigsaw. I'm, I'm and gonna, like the first thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of like obviously. I'm biased in this, and I keep on kind of telling people. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be coming out from a certain direction, right? Um, for 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 my club, we have only six games left to play in the league. Um, yeah. So six weeks for us is is, is no problem at all. Um, yeah, of course. I think if you look at, and I, I kind of put the suggestion out there. Look, look, teams can play three times a week, and look, that was me being naive, going, yeah, teams can play three times a week. Nobody fucking wants to play three times a week. Excuse my yeah, language, yeah. but no, nobody wants to do it. So. Um, but when I look at the league tables, there's very few clubs who would actually need to play like more than twice a week. Like the vast majority of clubs, well, that's maybe a sweeping statement, but a lot of clubs have played more than half their games um, in the league. Yeah. So wouldn't be required to play three games a week. A lot of them would be play, required to play maybe two games a week. Now, two games a week yeah. is much more manageable over a six-week uh, six period. I don't think there's anybody that would question that that's excessive because that's what you would do anyway on the run into a season, I think, uh, for most most divisions. Um, so I think there's that to be looked at. I, I do think it, the dates are restrictive. I think six yeah, weeks, of course. perhaps. And, and I again, that's I'm being biased again, and I, this is pointed out to me, thanks, uh, James Lee, that I, I'm not taking into consideration uh, cup games as well. I'm so focused on my club and I'm thinking about, oh, well, we have only six games left to play. However, other clubs are in multiple cup competitions as well as their league games. And definitely yeah. six weeks is not going to be enough to fit in um, uh, club games, and, uh, sorry, league games and cup games as well. So there needs to be a conversation around that. I think from my perspective, the only way that this can be realistically done in uh, a time frame which completes the league by October the 11th, if that's if that's the kind of uh, cut-off date that we have to complete this 2019-2020 season, is the, the dates are going to need to shift from a government perspective in terms of moving the phases forward. Yeah. And I think if, um, if there was a kind of a start date given of the start of August, um, as opposed to the end of August, I think that would give enough time um, if it was moved to a kind of eight or nine week period, I think that would give potentially enough time to finish things out. Again, I think there would need to be discussions around cup competitions. I, I think it'd probably be unfair to try cram all those cup competitions into that that time. Um, and the reason I'm kind of so focused on the league as well, apart from my own biases, is when we're talking about professional cup football coming back, I haven't heard anything really mentioned about cups. It's mostly about finishing leagues off. Um, and yeah. I think that potentially is most people's focus around finishing the leagues off. But yeah, I think from from my perspective, the only kind of um, well, realistic is probably the wrong word. But the only the kind of the best way to do it would be if um, 
if we don't have a second wave of this virus, if um, everybody feels safe to go back and if we can get back by uh, the, the early part of August, I think then that's a realistic time frame to be able to complete the leagues. If it's um, um, if, it, if it is the end of August that we're getting back, I think it's going to create a lot of difficulties. Um, yeah. You mentioned it yourself around fixtures. I think, and this kind of gives me a nice uh, way to to move on um, to one of the potential kind of outcomes of how leagues are um, completing seasons. Like, look, we've seen a few different leagues take different approaches. The AUL have gone down to the points per game, our PPG route, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. Um, but what we, we both thought was quite innovative uh, the other day was the Sligo, um, the Sligo Leitrim uh, uh, District Soccer League statement um, that they came out with the other day, which um, kind of, it's interesting. I, it, I, I don't know whether it's completely fair as well, Andy. And where, where I'd say it's not yeah. fair is if clubs for a genuine reason or players for a genuine reason don't feel safe going back to football, to kind of force their hand in this way uh, maybe doesn't seem fair. But on the yeah, other yeah. hand... On the other hand, it does, and we'll talk about what their proposal is in a second, but on the other hand, it does um, kind of force teams to um, uh, kind of shit or get off the pot, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, it's yeah, kind of, absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, go, give us your intentions. So what the club, what, what the Sligo Leitrim League are effectively uh, proposing, and forgive me because I'm, I'm trying to read this off a, a sheet, is um, it's essentially giving clubs the option um, of choosing either... Um, a yes or a no on whether they want to complete the league. And it's saying basically where a club marks yes, um, they're committing to, to continue to play all the remaining games. And where a club marks no, they're forfeiting the remaining games. What that essentially means is if uh, games are forfeited, the opponents will receive a 3-0 win. Where both sides have indicated that they don't want to complete the league um, and it's a forfeited fixture, uh, it would be a nil-all draw. Um, so uh, there, if it's a straight choice between yes or no, where a club forfeits and there's no penalty or fines, um, there's no penalties or fines imposed, it just you're allowed to forfeit the game, but you have to indicate that at the start. Look, uh, either decide yes, you want to continue the league, or no, you don't. And then it also says where a club indicates yes and fails the field, uh, will face full disciplinary rules. So you can't decide, yeah, we want to continue the league, but then not show up. You'll, you'll kind of be fined as normal as you would be in any um, league. And it does say also games will be played midweek and weekend, weekends with no cancellations. What, what's your opinion on it, um, Andy, on, on that proposal? Uh, on this particular proposal? Yeah. I, <laughs> I find it both um, sort of, it's, it's, it, you mentioned it there, it definitely calls the bluff of anyone that is sort of saying, oh, we're in a position here that we might be taking advantage of a, of a, a forfeit season or a null and void season. And or if they're saying, well, look, we don't want to go back due to safety reasons now, but we might want to go back in a couple of weeks uh, for a new season. That definitely calls the bluff of those clubs. Um the issue I would, I suppose, have is, and I haven't really got a, a major um, time to sort of divulge the ins and outs of it because I'm not familiar with the league, but I would imagine that there will be some teams that have um, not played at all in their season and one will have forfeited, so that's an automatic six points to that particular team. Mm -hmm. That could sway the leagues like drastically um, depending on 
on the, the current lay of, uh, layout of, of that league. Um, as I said, I, I'm not familiar with it, so I don't know if one or two or five are, are thinking of doing that. Yeah. Um, I also don't know how many are in the divisions either. So I don't like what happens if five say yes and five say no. Do you finish out the five that are remaining? I don't know. Or is there a is it kind of capped at? Has to be like it doesn't say it has to be over seventy five percent of like you know there's no sort of criteria set out no, for it. It's very so what, blunt, isn't it? It's like look yes yeah. or no. You either want to continue or you don't. And uh, that, like in in if, some way I kind of like that, but um yeah, you know, there's yeah. no ambiguity about it. It's either you want to finish it or you don't, and if you don't want to finish it, yeah. But if what, what happens if there's ten in the division, Derek, and two of them say they want to finish it, and eight say no. Yeah, do you know oh, the two? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what happens there? Like, do they do they see it out? Do they, like, there has to be some idea of like there has to be a minimum criteria for for it to be seen out. You know, that, yeah. like I, I just can't see if you know fifty percent of the league decide to pull out. I just don't see how that will work. To be honest with yeah. you, I think you'd have to be only dealing with one, two, or three um, yeah. withdrawals for it to to be viable. I suppose, but it is an interesting take on it. It it sort of. It's a different take on it, and it's it's been interesting to see that different leagues across the country, which whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know. But but clearly, different leagues have different opinions on what should be done, um, and yeah, I like don't I, know like what that's a reflection of. But I, I mentioned, like obviously, the the AUL going with the points per game, uh, Sligo Leitrim going with this approach, and the LSL going with the um, one of the few potentially to be the let's wait and see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask the question? Was the LSL right to take this approach of let's wait and see? Um, I, I'll give my own opinion first before I answer. Yeah. I'll ask you the question. I think they are right to do it because I think if you asked this question two months ago, everybody would have, would have said, "Are you are you mad? There's no way we're going to be back playing football by this time." Yeah. However, the way the kind of virus has progressed at the moment, um, I think it was ten new cases today or something like that. Like it's, it's kind of it seems to be going in the right direction. As I said, that's yeah. barring a second wave. So I think the wait and see approach is potentially the right one. But why have uh, or why are the LSL right to, to take that approach? Do you do you think? Um, well, I think first and foremost they're they're on a lose lose no matter what the situation is. Um, they'll be criticised for waiting, or they'll be criticised for blowing it up now. Yeah. Um, you know, so in that regard, I don't envy anyone that has to make that decision. So like that's sort of me saying look it is a difficult decision i understand like a lot of people have said that like i don't know where it's come from because i haven't voiced my opinion one way or another online or on twitter or anything like that but some people have said to me jesus you're very anti-return to football aren't you so well where did you get that from it's all about it's all about the information that we have at this point in time we do not know a lot of information so it's very hard to make an informed decision based on very little information and that was my point more than we need to do this or we need to do that in relation to actually sitting and waiting like it could be a lucky a look could be a lucky decision now um in a sense that we could be back playing sooner we could it could work out for them but it also might it might backfire on them and and these trials or whatever with the league of ireland dr alan bourne might come back and say well actually we don't recommend you going back now because of X, Y, and Z, exactly. th- this is what you need to do. And now, and then the, the league will come out in six weeks' time and, and void the season, and the, everyone will go, ah, I told you, they should have done this three months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's a lose-lose on either way, and even the outcome, I know we're, we're going to discuss the potential outcomes in the league 
in in a while but no matter what they do on an on an outcome basis as well on an outcome decision some teams are going to benefit and some teams are going to feel like they're they're aggrieved so it's very very difficult either way you know and yeah. The, the downs. I suppose the only thing I'd say is a lot of the criticism has come from. I suppose the silence at the start. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk about it, but there was no information or there was no communication about it. And I think that's probably where a lot of leagues have fallen um, for criticism because nobody knew what was going on. Um, yeah. And and again, like I'll I'll slightly back them up in that regard to say they probably didn't have the information to be able to release any uh, any update. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were all in the dark. Like, uh, me as a, as a clubman, you as a clubman, we wanted to know what was going on. But we we couldn't. We, we didn't know what was going on because we just didn't know. Like, the country didn't know what was going on because we were just we were in the middle of a pandemic. So la- football was probably, you know, sports, physical contact was probably the least of, on the agenda um, in relation to stuff like that. So, yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a very difficult one. What stood out for me, and I think when when the league made its announcement, um, I think it was what was it the the sixteenth of of May, I think they made the announcement. And what stood out for me, where where they said, look, it's our intention to complete the season. But what stood out for yeah. me within that was it is the intentions of to for the Leinster Senior League under the strict adherence to FAI HSE government guidelines to complete the yeah. season. So like yeah, of course. they were saying, like people were saying, oh, you're mad. How can you go back playing football now? We're talking about it's a move. At that stage, it was three months' time away, and yeah. it, it was under the strict. Like there was nobody saying, "Look, we're going to start sending you out playing football uh, to risk your yeah, life." Yeah. You know, there was nobody saying that. So, and I think it's that still stands. Like, there's never going to be a situation where the league is going to be saying to uh, players, "Look, you have to wait and fulfil a match now." Um, whilst exactly. there's still a, a pandemic going on, and I think we need to kind of take stock of that as well. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Put, any, put any, anybody's life in danger, and like at the end of the day, it's only a game of football when, when people's lives are, are at risk. Like nobody's going to put people at, at risk intentionally. Um, I'm going to ask another question, um, and I don't think you'll know the answer. But why have we had so many different approaches from different leagues? Um. I have my own personal view on that. Um, I, Tell us so. I think, <laughs> like, look, I, I don't think I don't think it reflects very well on the leagues across the country. Um, yeah. I think it looks like it's a very siloed. Um, you know, first of first of all, first of all, I would say I think there should have been, in my own personal opinion, there should have been more guidance and. Um, sort of um, instruction from the FAI. Mm. I think was, they should have had a left, blanket. It was, it was left, it was it was left, left in the hands of every yeah. league. Yeah, yeah. It was left in the hands of every league. And the leagues clearly don't t- talk to each other. Um, yeah. Or if they do, they all disagree with each other. <laughs> um, so like, I don't think that really looks well for the amateur game. Um, that there is such a difference of opinion across the nation. Like there has been has been so many different outcomes across the, the the country of the leagues that you know it's it's actually mind-boggling um to to what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like because there was assumptions that just all football was going to be scrapped and you yeah. know it was going to be this, it was going to be that. And then some leagues came out and said, "Well, we're thinking of playing, but we don't know yet." Some leagues said we're going to do, do PPG. Some t- leagues just scrapped it completely. I think the Munster Senior League just came straight out and said, yeah. that's it, it's done. 
Yeah. That like yeah. I haven't heard anything else. I've been trying to get further information to see like our promotions and relegations, you know, is it just as you were for next season? I I don't know any of that information. I'm sure the clubs have probably been communicated with, but I, I have I haven't managed to get my hands on that sort of information yet. I'd love to know. I'm just the curious person like that. I'd love to know if the league is null and void, what actually happens. Yeah. Um, and again, different leagues will probably have different approaches so like the Munster Senior League might say as you were the Leinster Senior League might um, null and void and go yeah look we're actually going to promote or we're going to relegate or we're going to do this or we're going to do that we just don't know because it's just so variant across the country it's just it is amazing it, it is but but it just goes to show that I don't know is there like an amateur board is there a an amateur it, football board that these counsel? heads get because the junior council, do they which, which covers um, amateur football in Ireland, so that's but, the but is, is that not mainly? Yeah, that's that's mainly for, like FAI, isn't it? So like that that sort of that would be um, directed by the FAI, I would imagine, heavily in their well, favour. So well, as far as I understand, there's representatives from different leagues on that FAI junior council. So look, there could I, be. Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not familiar with it now. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, look, there should have been a little bit more direction, perhaps, from the FAI, as in. Here's what we're doing here, um, and like perhaps they should have said to all leagues, look, um, in an ideal world, we'd be back playing football on August 28th, and that's that's the decision. Or like you yeah. know, they, they probably shouldn't have given leagues the different leeway. But then again, that's probably not legal. I think under all the league structures, they probably have yeah. their own decision-making process. And um, yeah, they have their own constitutions and laws it's, it's, and, and exactly. stuff like that. And like in fairness, it probably protects them nine times out of ten because it, it means that the FEI can't come down and enforce like decisions on them. Mm. But I just think if there was a little bit more look I'm I'm guessing that there was no conversations because it it doesn't seem to me that there was conversations being had when there's so many different opinions and uh, outcomes of it like I would have thought that if you get everyone in a room you propose two outcomes and there's a majority vote on one um I would have thought that that would be the way to go you know um mm. But that's, yeah. that could be a very simplistic view of it, Derek. Now, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the process, so I could be kind of speaking out of turn there, not knowing yeah. it completely. But So, look, we, we, we've looked at the possibilities of returning to football, and obviously that's still a potential viable... That seems to be the route that we're going down at the moment, based on the, yeah. the latest communication from the league. Obviously, that can change. There's so many different factors that could change that. We could uh, move forward in our time frame, or we could have a second wave, and we're all back on lockdown again. Another possible option, if if the going back to football, as in going back uh, on August 28th, is not a viable option, um, essentially then I think there's, there's two options. There's the uh, PPG or points per game option, or there's the null and void option. Um, on yeah. the points per game Can, can option, I just... Just, just before we get into that, do you mind if I just throw in a little caveat for if we are going back to play? Yeah, okay. Sure. I, I just, in, in my own opinion, I think if we do go back playing, I think there needs to be a, a um, an agreement in place that if there is a second wave or if there is a another instance where we have to cancel the the, the football, um, that if there's a percentage of games played, um, we can go down the PPG route. Or if if the if that percentage hasn't been hit, um, it's it's null and void. Or a third option is that if if we do not know a time frame that we can get back playing again, then at, for a tour time, let's say, that it has to be it has to a decision has to be made because we can't can, like we can't forever um, keep getting these waves and keep 
postponing football and still playing the, the 90 and 20 season. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like, yeah. It, there has to be a point in time where we say, right, look, this is not working. It's going to fucking, it's, it's going to, it's going to mess up all future leagues. See, this is the thing that I have a, have a big, big opinion on, is that if, for whatever reason, we decide to play out this season, okay, mm-hmm. it's not just this season that's going to have a knock-on effect. It's going to have a, it's going to have a knock-on effect to the, to the beginning of the next season. Like, you think you, managers, coaches, players have one week to prepare for the new season. Yeah, definitely. You know um, what I mean? And that's, and, that's and, all like, so much up in the air around where, where there's transfers come into that. Um, exactly. There's so many different things that need to be discussed. And I honestly, I, I think we, we would need another podcast to discuss because oh, 100%. Uh, there's been so many different, which I, I hadn't been thinking about either. Because like, in my head, completing this season, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we have the same team. Uh, why would anybody want to leave us? We're fighting for the league. But then there might be other yeah. clubs who are, uh, not challenging for anything and who have players who want to leave them and uh, want to sign yeah. for another club are they going to be allowed to sign from uh, what's the normal transfer season probably around about June, July time um, so yeah. I think all of that needs to be clarified as well and it's probably outside the remit of what we're going to discuss today but they're valid points 100%. I, I, I think like doesn't the, there's so many different things up in the air and there needs to be um, clear communication that whatever decision is finalised that there are um, what ifs within that. So if we don't complete yeah. the league, here's here's the what if we go to PPG. And I did just want to, yeah, exactly. And I did want to just throw it out that it, it any decision that that's been made, you have to factor in the consequence to the following season. Yeah, I in think my so. opinion. Yeah, I, because I, I there's don't... no point messing up two seasons. <laughs> like yeah. I, th- I think we were saying that you know that we don't know if we're going to get a second wave. So if we start, um, let's say if the decision is to null and void and start a new season and we get a a, a new wave, then all of a sudden you have two seasons that have been scrapped. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? So there's all these different things. But again, as you say, that could probably be a whole podcast on itself. Um. Yeah, like, look, uh, I think there's so many uh, different questions around that. And I think no matter what happens next season is going to be impacted as well because I don't think you can start the season in October. And yeah. uh, Because, look, the, fitting a normal season into the regular normal season is always a, an issue. With, you it's know, tough enough. Like, yeah, so it's going to shorten that season. Maybe they'll have to cut a cup out or two or, um, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of different things in which yeah. they could potentially reduce the season time. Um, there's two things that come to mind around, like, let's talk about PPG and I'm going to let you talk yeah. about what that is for people who don't know what it is because uh, you're our resident stato and you can, you can <laughs> definitely you can definitely talk about it uh, better than I can. Um, yeah, yeah, talk well, about it for us and then I'll, I'll give a couple of different implications of it. Yeah, well, look, I, I kind of lit a fire under this unknowingly Um I was keeping a, a firm eye on how leagues across Europe and, and stuff were doing. And obviously the French division had decided that PSG were going to be champions based on PPG. And then I think League Two decided to do that um, in England. So it just got me thinking to see like what would happen. So I just threw a few figures around. And, and Before you go into it, of, just talk, for people who don't know what PPG is, t- t- tell us what that means. Yeah, and a lot of people actually contacted me in relation. It's very, very simple. It's, it's basically the, the points that you've accumulated to date divided by the amount of games that you've played to date. So if in effect, if you have, say, just to keep it simple, if you had 30 points on the board and you, you had played... Um, 10 games 10 games your average is 3 yeah 
all right so that's just a very very simplistic view of it and um, if you if you sort of cascade that down throughout the leagues then you get your average and obviously you generally see the teams that are at the top of the, the table have the higher average and then down the, the, the lower end of the teams uh, table you have the, the the lower average so that's a that's effectively what it is the before i know you're going to probably mention this but i suppose some of the, the things on this is not every team has played the same amount of games <laughs> yeah and um that does have a bit of a bearing on on the outcome of the average because like there are teams that have a very very good record but have played sort of maybe 50 percent 50 percent of their games have only been played whereas you know the likes of yourselves you have pretty much 75 percent of your game played yeah um you know so there is sort of nuances in in that sort of formula as well if, if I just wanted to throw that out there yeah I was just thinking about that because I was scribbling down as you were writing there and I was saying to myself yeah it probably punishes teams who've played less games but actually it, it doesn't actually yeah exactly yeah. because you could have played only six games this season and won all six of them and your, your average yeah. points per game is three, is three points per game and you're going to win the league based off that um, whereas a club who might have played 17 games won 15 of them and drew two would have a less points per average points points per game than the the team of yeah. six. And, and can I give you uh, can I give you a live example of that, Eric? Just just in relation to um, the major Sunday division. Yeah. So, um, in in effect, Sheriff, obviously, I, I don't know why they've only played nine games. I, someone will have to fill me in on that. But they've only played nine games in their league in their league division at the moment. Yeah. Um, and teams above them, so Pally Fairman have played sixteen. Um, like in and around them, Leicester have played 17. They've played nine and they've won six and drawn three. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, sorry, lost three, lost yeah. three. But they would actually go up on the PPG rule because their average points per game is two. <laughs> Whereas Bally Fairman, who have played seven games more, are at 1.38. Yeah. Draw had a 1.53 who've played 15 games so you could I would I would argue um, and this isn't like me being against Sheriff by the way just, just to clarify that I, I would say that it would be very unlikely given that Sheriff have already lost a third of their games that they've played you know it, it just doesn't seem it, do, it doesn't sit right with me if I'm being honest with you in yeah. that particular instance well, but there's there's also you know, there's so many different examples of that. Yeah, and I think I think whatever way the league looks at finishing the league, there's always going to be people on one side who'll say, yeah, totally unfair, and there's people on the other side who are going to say that's the fairest way to do it. I don't think there is any fair way to do it, to be quite honest, other than finishing out the league. I think the the only fair way to finish the league is to finish the league. Um, however, you know, it's about probably finding the least unfair way if that makes sense um it's not going to be completely fair but it's the the least uh the kind of lesser evil is what the league needs to find somewhere in there um i think and i think yeah go ahead yeah sorry derek i think you're right in what you're saying it's it's probably that is ultimately going to be where the decision lies i would imagine that it's going to be the least um the least amount of teams impacted will probably be the outcome um and I believe, from just very, very quickly looking at it, is pro- is probably PPG because 
if you look at a lot of the leagues, it doesn't really impact the standings that much. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It it's doesn't. very few, actually, um, in terms of... And that's what I mean about the, the least... Uh, unfair way. Am I saying that right? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. So, like, based on the league tables today, if you do PPG, the majority of teams who are already up there, either fighting for promotion or the teams that are fighting for relegation, are the ones who will be promoted and, and relegated. Obviously, there are a few outliers in there, and those people are going to feel hugely um, kind of hard done by, by a PPG yeah. uh, res- uh, kind of finish to the season. However, it may be the the least unfair way of doing it. Um, although, then, some people would say, no, the least unfair way of doing it is just calling it null and void and nobody goes up and nobody, nobody goes down. There's arguments against yeah. that as well. Um, well, you see, that, that's it exactly because if you, if you look at it that way, um, I, I suppose by a null and void decision, right, the only... The only people that are sort of impacted by that negatively are those that are in promotion places. Yeah. All right. So, you know, that's if you if you want to be strictly speaking, it's three teams per, three. per yeah. division. You know, so it's it's a lot less. Um, but if you do a PPG, um, nine times out of ten, or maybe eight times out of ten, there's probably two teams already relegated. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And the PPG only pulls one and maybe reverses decision in one case. Yeah. Um, so as you, I think you're right in what you're saying. It probably uh, is. A, although, just to qualify what you said there, just around there's only three teams impacted. Does well, there is only three because three will go up. However, there may be six teams fighting for promotion, uh, or seven, or eight in some 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 divisions. So, um, you know, there uh, the club in sixth or seventh spot may still fancy their chances of hundred percent. You know, of, of of going up. So there's kind of different ways of, yeah. of looking at it there. Like, but. Um, I don't look. It's a difficult decision, whatever the decision is. But here's something I've been thinking about as well: who should make that decision? Um, should it be put to a vote of all clubs, um, or should it be a, a committee decision from the LSL? And here, the, I'll tell you what, what I, sh- I think should happen. I think it should be a committee decision, and here's the reason why: if you put it to the vote, um, like you mentioned yourself, the majority of clubs potentially would benefit from um, uh, from yeah. knock on PPG. Yeah, null and void. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the sense that, only, like you say, only the ones fighting for promotion or uh, a league title would, would be beneficial. So if it is put to the vote, do we go with PPG or do we go with null and void? I feel like it's probably going to be a null and void season and that's going to punish those who've had a really good season. As I said, like ourselves, we're, we've played 20 of our games, we're already 15 points clear. Other teams have games in hand on us, but we're like in a really good yeah. position. So it punishes the, the ones that have been successful this season and kind of rewards the ones who've had a, had a pretty bad season if, if they're sitting in, in uh, at the bottom of the table and they know they're not going to get relegated by a null and void that's season. The... That's the key to the, that's my exact feeling on it, Derek, is that I think a null and void season rewards the, the lesser performing teams more mm-hmm. than it does the better performing teams. And that's just my own personal opinion on it. I'm not saying that's the way we should go or shouldn't go. I'm just saying that that has to be factored in because you could have, like, you're, you're going to have a... Well, I, I'm just throwing averages out here. I would imagine a 60-40, 70-30 in favour of a null and void. The only teams that aren't going to want a null and void are the maybe four or five teams that are fighting relegation, um, going for promotion. Oh, promotion, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, um, 
So I would say it's probably 60-40 in favour for a null and void in, in most divisions, I would say. Um, and that's why I don't think you should go to a vote. Yeah. Because uh, that's, it'll, be, uh, it'll be extremely biased from the teams yeah. that are, exactly. have nothing to gain. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and that's that's what was my thinking on it. Uh, that's why I feel like it probably should be a board decision or a, a committee decision. Um, that um, you know, they call, whoever many people are on that committee that they're all cast a vote on it and say, look, this is the way. I think it's the first way uh, to complete yeah. the season. I don't envy. I don't envy them on that decision. Like I think it's it's like you know, putting aside my own biases. Obviously, I would number one like to complete the season because I'd like to see us uh, win. The division on the pitch if we if we hopefully win the league uh, we're in the win with a really good chance of it and I'd rather do that on the pitch than have it kind of um, given to yeah. you through PPG however the next kind of um, for me would be um, I think next the second best to me would be the uh, allowing clubs to choose whether they want to finish it out or not um, and be able to forfeit games uh, by making that decision, the so-called Sligo model. Um, number yeah. three then would be PG, PPG, and then number four for me would be null and void. But look, we have to acknowledge everybody's going to have different opinions on this. I'm sure myself and yourself, Andy, will probably get slaughtered online for um, putting yeah, forward yeah. our opinions. Um, but as I said from the start, I'm biased in this, and I've always said that. Um, you know, I, I, I would probably have a different view if my team were sitting at the bottom of the table now, I'd probably be calling for an unemployed. Do you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and that's what I've noticed with a lot of people. When I'm looking on Twitter, everybody who's wanting to resume this league is in a position uh, in their in their respective league of getting promoted. Everybody who's calling yeah. for an unemployed seems to be those teams who've had a pretty bad season so far and they just want to kind of null and void this one and start the next one. I, I get and where they're coming they... from. The rose tinted glasses have to be sort of taken for off those particular decision making. You know, um, like we've mentioned already, I think it probably needs to come down to a committee vote. And look, I don't know how that how that sits with other clubs, with other managers, with other coaches and players. And I just like I just think it's very very difficult to 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 get that outcome that's going to suit everyone. It's it, yeah. there's not there's no it's one, a no win. There's no it's like one you scenario. Say. There's no, it's a no win for the league, no matter what they decide, and that's why I'm saying I don't yeah. envy them in this because they're going to get slated either way. Um, yeah. You know, they like if slated. I was on that board, I'd be, I'd be cursing the FEI just saying, why didn't they come down with a blanket and say no more football? Don't yeah, let yeah. us have to make this decision. You know what I mean? Now you could say that that's a bit of a coward's way out. Yeah, but like you know, it's 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 a very very tough decision, and regardless of the outcome, someone's going to feel shafted in some way. Yeah, and that's uh, like I think that's the unfortunate thing. I don't think anybody's going to come out of it um, feeling completely. You know, there's always going to be somebody disappointed, and there's going to be some people happy with whatever uh, decision they make. As I said, I don't envy them. Um, I'm sure we're going to kind of hear more over, over 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 the next number of weeks because um, I'm sure there's yes. gonna, probably going to be more calls to accelerate the timeline. Um, it seems to be kind of quite prevalent in the news at the moment that everybody's talking about opening the country up quicker. Um, which may create its own problems. As I said, we're, we're not public health experts. So, um, we don't I wonder what would up. happen, Derek. Um, I'm just sort of throwing it out there for, for maybe, probably for a further discussion. But, um, you know, if, if these strict, if these deadlines for the FEI could maybe be waived or, or pushed out a small bit where, you know, if we are able to kick a ball in again in August, that we just, we, we see out the season. Um, obviously, hoping that there's no second wave 
Um, and if I know, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. If it's if it's October, November, um, and then we resume the or commence the the new season when we get to commence it in maybe February, yeah. then we're looking at. <laughs> The dreaded summer football topic. Like again, I'm not trying to push this agenda, but it's. I think we're in a very, we're in a very unique position now, where, like, I think it probably opens the door for a trial season. Yeah, I, I um, look. look I, I, think I've said it before. I, I definitely be in favour of giving summer football a go. Um, I, I think like, look, it, there's no harm in trying something if it doesn't work. You know, always move back to it. Winter season, I think you're, you're probably right. This this creates a perfect opportunity to do it. Um, but I, what I can't see the league doing that, and I can't see leagues doing that yeah. because it's such a, a big decision that um, yeah. they've enough on their plate at the moment without kind of adding further complexity into things where people would be kind of up in arms about moving to a summer season. I think it's a great idea, but um, I, you know, yeah. I think I, the feedback from the last vote in relation to summer football was very tight. I think it was pretty much one for one, um, split down the middle. So, I, but 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 these current situations might actually change people's opinions on that. So there could that could be an avenue that is investigated. Look again, I'm sure we're, we're not privy to the conversations that the leagues are having and the meetings that, that that's taking place but i'm sure that these conversations are being are, are happening um with 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 dave and the, the the lads on the committee like it's just one of those things it's just thrown out another option of yeah eventually just but i i just think i just think again without going into it in too much detail if we do get to see this season out i just think it puts a massive strain on the following season straight away yeah and and maybe maybe you're you're right there in the sense that because it's putting massive strain on next season, they're going to have to do something with next season anyway. If they're intent on finishing yeah. this season, now, something's going to have to happen with next season, whether it's cutting the number of games, uh, cutting the cup out, or moving to summer football. So maybe that is part of the conversation yeah. that needs to be had. Um, I think I love the, the idea of the SPL split. Yeah, I do. The, I, the, I do love the, the idea. Yeah, it, like it, it, it's yeah. an option as well, and I think um, as under the current FAI guidelines, it's not an option because they've been quite prescriptive in terms of if you want to finish out this yeah. season, it has to be done by October. But like I say, there's so much going to happen between now and then. Look, it, we're kind of living decades in weeks at the moment. Like there's so much changing and so much going on um, that you know, who knows what's going to happen in a month's time. Everything could change. So I think um, there's a lot of interesting debate over the next couple of months. I don't know when we're going to be back on the podcast, Andy, because, um, you know... We'll see what the res- reception yeah. is to this and the reaction to this. And if we get enough traction, we'll we'll maybe do a follow-up. Exactly. I'm sure, like, once once there's something official out there from whether it's the FAI or, or the league as well, well, we'll definitely come back on and talk a little bit more about it. Um, we're kind of hitting the hour mark now, Andy, so we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, thanks for your for your company, as always. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. Kind of missed, missed the old chats. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of good to be back. Uh, it's nice to be talking about football again, uh, as opposed to, to everything else. But, um, look, great to have you uh, chatting away tonight, and I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Um, yeah, thanks. take care of yourself. Cheers, Andy.